want to welcome everybody. Um, see so many uh, familiar faces, but also a lot of guests, which uh, really blesses my heart in that because um, the original vision behind this conference was um, to put something on that would be a resource for our community, the Taste Creek Presbyterian Church com community, but also uh, the reason we call it the Good to the Bluegrass Conference is um, we, we want to offer, um, offer a thoughtful, um, robust, Christian perspective on issues that our world is facing. We want to be that voice in our city. And so it, it, it's wonderful for me to see uh, many guests um, from, from our city here with us. Um, my name is Robert Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors um, here at the church. My uh, main role and responsibility is to be uh, the preaching and, and teaching voice um, for, for our congregation. Um, and, and I'm going to begin this evening, um, the, the question I'm answering is, why are we hosting a conference on depression? Uh, I want to read from Psalm 42. I'm just going to read the whole psalm. You're welcome to follow along if you would like. Um, this isn't going to be, for those of you who are uh, members and attenders at TCPC, this isn't going to be a typical sermon of mine, but I do want to root us in Scripture and um, start from there. And so Psalm 42, let me read that and pray for us, and then we will, we will look at it. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. This is, by the way, this, this psalm is the, decry of the, is the cry of the depressed. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down of my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, Therefore I remember you in the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roars of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down in my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let me pray. Lord, we need your help as um, particularly when we pick up uh, difficult topics that affect so many and perhaps many who are even there in the fire of depression and anxiety as we speak, who are um, underneath the flood. Lord, it's a humbling thing to, to speak to souls like that. 
There are others here who, who love, deeply love and care about people, family members, friends, who are there battling this struggle. And it's a humbling thing to give them words as well. And so I just confess before this room and for you that I'm humbled and in many ways feel unworthy to speak to this. And Lord, in many ways I'm scared to speak to this. Um, especially just uh, sharing my story, sharing, sharing my struggles. Um, Lord, that's, that's terrifying. Um, but I think it's good. I think, I think your story, this is not my story, it's your story entrusted to me to share. And so as, as I give my testimony, as we look at your word, as we... Um, kind of shape the, the way we are going to be going about this this week. I pray that you would give us grace in all that we need. Comfort the mournful and humble the proud. In Jesus' name, amen. So why are we doing a conference with depression um, as our theme? And the most obvious answer, um, and the reason why I started with Psalm 42, is that um, depression is a major theme of Scripture. Um, one of our core values here at uh, TCPC is that we, we have a commitment to God's Word that engages the mind, nurtures the heart, and transforms life. If we're going to have this um, holistic commitment to God's Word, then we're going to have to get real with depression. Because depression is a major, not a minor, depression is a major theme in Scripture. Psalm 42, like that I read, is one of my favorite examples. Did you notice the psalmist doesn't understand what's going on inside of him? Twice he says it. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Do you, do you know what he's saying there? What's wrong with me? What is going on? Anybody who has tasted depression knows exactly what he's talking about. What is wrong with me? Why are you cast down? Why can't I snap out of this? He even tries to preach himself out of it. Did you notice? <laughs> Hope in God, soul. Just trust him. Just trust God. You know the right answers. But it's to no avail. He says, my soul is cast down within me. That term cast down... Um, was a familiar one to them. It's a term used to describe a condition that sheep are, uh, are prone to. Just in case some of you aren't caught up on the art of sheep herding, let me, uh, let me, let me explain what that means. Um, sheep at times, they're really dumb animals. And, uh, and, and the Bible's favorite metaphor for us is sheep in, in, in the scriptures. And, and, and their, their stupidity really shows itself off when the, the, what they'll do is they'll accidentally roll over on their backs. And when that happens, they get stuck. And they literally can't get themselves out of that position. And so unless the shepherd comes to roll them back over, the sheep will just stay there on its back flailing and screaming until it dies. And they call that condition being cast down. And the psalmist is saying here, why are you cast down, O my soul? My soul can't get up. So why a conference on depression? The easiest answer is that the Bible is very honest about the proclivity of the soul to fall and not be able to get back up. 
But more specifically, what led the leadership of this church to choose this topic out of the many different biblical topics that we could choose? Well, I would say that this topic, perhaps more than any other in our day, is one that seems to be largely ignored within the church, even though it is largely prevalent in our world and within our churches, it at the same time is something that we are ignoring. Um, it is a conversation, truthfully. It's a, this is a conversation that we are desperate to have, and yet nobody seems to be having it. Somebody has to break the silence of depression, to use the language of the theme of our conference. The silence needs to be broken. The, um, the conversation needs to start. We need to start having the conversation. The soul's proclivity to be cast down needs to be destigmatized. And so tonight, what I thought I'd do in order to break the silence, so to speak, and then set the stage for where we're going the rest of the week and set Sammy up, um, I want to share, share my story with you. I want to spend some time sharing my story with you uh, with this. Um, this week is going to be full of resources and um, there will be lectures and seminars and books and sermons and all these things. But as I thought and prayed through a way to begin the conversation um, and set us up, kind of set the tone for this, um, I kept coming back to my story. Not that, I, not that I'm excited to tell my story. Not. Uh, but because I think sharing my story will do two things. I think it'll break the silence. I, I mean, you know, if the pastor of the church that's hosting the conference just stands up from the get-go and says, all right, well, here's me, then I, I, I'm assuming that breaks the silence enough for, for you to say, okay, here's where I am. So I think it'll break the silence. And then I, and then I want it to serve as kind of a case study of sorts um, to help us see and appreciate why a conference on depression is so important. So let me open this conference with my story. There was a time in my life when I would have probably rolled my eyes at a conference on depression. Some of you here um, might be rolling your eyes too. Um, and, and now the church I pastor is hosting a conference on depression. So what happened to me? Well, God mercifully gave me a season where he allowed me to taste what I never, ever, ever before could understand. I didn't get it. And, and our, our gracious God, um, he let me get it. <laughs> um, there is depression that is more clinical and, and, and consistent in nature. Uh, depression, like you heard, um, that Spurgeon battled really his whole life. Um, I think that's a perspective that Sammy's going to be able to bring this week. Um, and then there's depression that really hits for a season where the bottom just falls out. And that's what happened to me. Um, you can call it a nervous breakdown. You can call it a mental breakdown. Um, I think they're, these days they're calling, acute, they're calling it acute stress disorder. Um, call it whatever you want. For about six months, uh, fall 2011 through winter 2012, my soul was cast down and I could not get up. Uh, really what happened is, is God took me to the edge of the abyss. And for a few months, he just let me sit there and stare into it. Um, my misery took the form of acute anxiety, more so than depression. Um, though the two are so closely related that at times you, you really can't tell them apart. 
Um, but when I say anxiety, uh, those who have never experienced what I'm talking about will think nervousness and stress, just like those who have never experienced depression will think gloomy or you know, you're having a bad day. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about anxiety that is completely and utterly debilitating. I'm talking about spiraling down into the depths of fear and dread that I couldn't even function. So what happened to me? What got me into that? Um, you know, I, I thought and I thought, prayed a lot about that as I was processing it and, and, and preparing for this. You know, and I believe my, um, I believe my breakdown was a convergence of many things. And I, I, by the way, I think that's very important to note up front as we enter into this conference that this is a very complex struggle. Um, and, and, and there are a lot of contributing factors, um, and, and we'll speak a lot to a lot of those. I think my breakdown was a result of my own sin. Um, I wasn't living a secret life. I wasn't hiding an addiction or anything like that. But there were sins lurking in my heart that I honestly didn't even know were there. I never even saw them. Um, an ugly and really unhealthy ambition. Um, a need for control, a, an arrogant self-sufficiency really living my days just in complete reliance upon my own strength, my own gift package. Um, there are patterns like this going on in my life that I had never even recognized. I think my breakdown was a result of physical unhealth. I wasn't exercising. I was eating terribly. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I was overworking. I just wasn't taking care of my body. Uh, I think my breakdown was a result of external factors, um, had a toddler and an infant at home. Um, I was transitioning at the time. This is right during the transition into senior leadership here at TCPC, which was freaking me out. Um, I was dealing with the trauma and stress that comes with pastoral ministry. There is just unique uh, trauma and stressors to pastoral ministry, um, specifically pastoral ministry um, at a church with a culture that has been formed by a lot of leaders and um, professionals and perfectionists and smart people and important people and altogether people. And, you know, I just tell people if you meet somebody at this church, just err on the side of calling them doctor. You're, you're, you'll probably... I love my church, but this church can be crazy. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about this week. Just an overload of, of life stressors, just convergence of external things. I think my breakdown was a result of a lot of pain that I never talked about, never admitted, never addressed. Um, I never dealt with my past story of brokenness. I thought the Christian thing to do was to ignore it and move on. I did a lot of hiding, pretending, and even rewriting the story when I would tell my story to others. So what led to this dark night of the soul, as, as, the, as the mystics speak of it? I think the answer isn't as simple as we want to make it out to be. It was a convergence of many things, spiritual, external, emotional, physical. These things all came together and crushed me. Um, and I, want to, I don't want to just get into vague language here. I want, to, I want to invite you into the details. It began with these dizzy spells that I couldn't explain. And then I would have episodes where my throat would felt like it was closing up and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And then I started having these strange moments where I felt like my mind was just stuck in overdrive with crazy thoughts. And then I started to be overwhelmed with dread over the smallest 
like the most normal routine things that I had done hundreds of times, teaching a Sunday school class or sitting down in pastoral counseling or committee meeting and certainly preaching, just this dread would come over me that I had never experienced. And looking back, and for those of you who are experienced in this, these are all just classic symptoms of anxiety disorder, but I, I, I had no idea at the time. I didn't know what was going on with me, and I certainly was way too arrogant to tell people and ask what's going on with me. And so I just kept hiding it and pressing on in my own strength like I had done my whole life. But the more I ignore it, the more intense it became. I started having panic attacks. Again, I had no idea what that was at the time. Um, I would have these moments where I thought, either I'm about to die or I am going insane. Neither are pleasant options. And it would just escalate, and, and I didn't know what to do or how to control it. But even still, I didn't tell anyone. I just kept, kept it hidden and kept, kept, kept moving forward in my own strength. And then um, it came October 9th, 2011, um, which I would say was the day that my soul truly was cast down, to use the language of the Psalms. Um, it was a Sunday. I spent the entire morning here holding back a panic attack. Those of you who struggle with anxiety and depression and familiar panic attacks, um, imagine having them up here. And so I'm up here trying not to freak out, faking strength that nobody could tell. But while I was up here preaching, I felt like there was this internal war going on. And I can remember raising my hands to give the benediction on that day and saying to myself, I will never preach another sermon again. I'm done. And then that night, I was up all night in one just continual state of panic. I literally was afraid to fall asleep because I thought I would wake up in a psychiatric ward of a hospital. And finally, at five in the morning, I, my pride finally gave in. I couldn't fake it or be strong anymore. Um, I woke Abby up, woke my wife up, and said, there's something wrong with me. And then I just collapsed. And as soon as I told the truth about where I was, um, it was as if the floodgates of despair opened up and truly... I was underneath that flood for um, three months, I would say, truly drowning. Um, at its worst, it was an exhausting exercise for me to do the most basic things, um, take a shower, brush my teeth, um, eat, <laughs> couldn't eat, just have to force food down, um, sleeping, couldn't fall asleep. Um, I lost interest in things I'd always loved. I couldn't read, I couldn't, I couldn't read a book. Um, couldn't play golf, couldn't go fishing, couldn't watch a Kentucky basketball game. A normal conversation, a normal routine of life, like the grocery store, would send me into a panic. I could not shut my mind off or even slow it down, just bombarded all day long with just crazy existential thoughts, with doubts and fears and vain imaginations, with kind of this fatalistic thinking that would run to places that you would say, that's crazy, but to me, it was utterly, I was utterly convinced it was true. Um, I fear the nights so much. For those of you who struggle with this, you know this. I fear the nights um, because I would just have to lay in bed alone with my thoughts. And then when I would wake up, I would have a tiny moment. I remember waking up and have a tiny moment of hope that maybe this was over. But then I would feel kind of the darkness just kind of crawl back onto me. And forget about practicing my faith, um, couldn't read the scriptures, um, couldn't listen to a sermon, couldn't believe promises of God, 
the most Christian thing I could manage was the simplest prayer that I prayed over and over and over again. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God was distant. I'm telling you, he was distant. I felt alone. Um, Zero assurance of his favor, of his love, and zero hope, honestly, that I would ever have it again. My wife and my closest friends had to assure me um, multiple times a day um, that even the most basic truths, truths that I have proclaimed for years, truths I still proclaim to this day, they had to convince me that those truths were in fact true for me, and even then, I still couldn't believe them for myself. It was a nightmare. I was, I was living a nightmare. How did I come out of it? Well, I'm not sure I'll ever be out of it in that way. It's not something necessarily you shake. And, and to be honest with you, the Lord has brought me to the place where I'm thankful for that. Um, it, is my, it, is my, um, it is my humbling thorn of flesh, which I despise and bless God for. Um, it's something I still think about every day. It's never seized me like that again. It's, it's never crippled me like that again. Um, but it feels like it is always lurking. Um, it's, it's, it, I, I, I tell people it's kind of God's constant whisper of my weakness and frailty. And, um, and I think it'll probably always be there in some, some capacity just to, just to keep me um, humble. But how did I get to the point where I could actually function, right? Where I could actually go about life, where I could be a husband, be a father, um, pastor a congregation... Um, that answer, I would say, is just as complex as the answer of how I got into that, how, 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 what brought me low. Um, we want there to be a simple answer. We want there to be a simple reason for depression and anxiety, and we want there to be a simple answer out of depression and anxiety, and there, it's not. It's not that way. There are a lot of things that the Lord used to heal my soul. Um, first, I needed a doctor. Um, on the morning when I told Abby... Uh, the first thing she did was call Mark Randall, and uh, Mark came right over, took one look at me, curled up on the couch, and said, uh, I'm taking you to a doctor. Called one of our elders, who's a general practitioner, um, the, the one who's going to be giving the seminar um, on medication, because um, I know that's a topic, we'll get to that in a second, but called one of, my doc- called one of the elders of Dr. Wayne Marlowe, got me in to see him that day. Mark had to drag me to that appointment. I, I cried on the way there. I cried in the waiting room. Um, but, but a doctor, a professional, <laughs> walks into the room, and it was as if, okay, I think I might be okay. Um, he talked to me about my health, everything from exercising to my diet to taking a day off and um, getting a hobby. And, yes, he wrote me a prescription for medication. Um, and and you, you can say whatever you want about medicine. Um, we're going to talk about that this week. There's a whole seminar on that, if you want to hear more about that. I know there's debate about that in the church. But if you get where I was, uh, those debates quickly go out the window. He could have told me to eat my shoe, and I would have eaten it, if it would have helped where I was. I needed medicine. My serotonin level in my brain was depleted. And I needed an SSRI prescription. He prescribed it. I took it, and it helped a lot. Took a few weeks to kick in, but it worked. I needed a good counselor. It's another thing. Don't know what you think about counseling, but we're going to talk a lot about it this week. I had never done any serious counseling. I'm the, I'm the counselor, not the counselee. 
I'm on this side of the table, not that side of the table. But again, when God brings you to the end of yourself, you'll try anything. So through some connections, I was able to get in with uh, who um, Will introduced earlier, Lottie, the, the legend in Christian counseling world down in Orlando, Florida. Um, flew down there, sat on her couch, and um, her therapy changed my life. It wasn't pleasant. No good therapy is. Um, but in many ways, it set me free. She forced me to tell the truth. To tell the truth of my story, to tell the truth of my shame, to tell the truth of my brokenness, to tell the truth of my sin. She showed me just how far the gospel of Jesus Christ truly can go. Um, she called me into repentance, depths of repentance that I didn't even know were possible. Not just stop the behavior, but a deep repentance of the dispositions of my own sinful heart. Um, there's a lot of bad counseling out there, but trained and anointed therapy is a glorious thing. Um, thirdly, I say I needed God's people. I believe this with all my heart. If I were alone in it, um, I, I don't know if I could have survived it. Community is what rescued me, ultimately. Community rescued me. Um, what I learned is that when the New Testament speaks of the body of Christ, that isn't a metaphor. It's literal. I was desperate. I needed Jesus. And in my despair, I cry out, where are you, Jesus? I don't feel you. You feel distant. I can't sense your presence. And the answer is in Scripture. The Bible promises that the actual living manifestation of the presence of Jesus is found in his people. My community was the voice of the Lord to reassure me, the rebuke of the Lord to discipline me, the tenderness of the Lord to comfort me, the strong arm of the Lord to carry me. If I was alone, I would not be here in this capacity in any way. Fourthly, I needed the means of grace. I had just gotten in a bad habit of neglecting the disciplines of the faith or, or at the very least just checking them off. And there's nothing like a nervous breakdown to bring you back to the basics. And, um, and also what it did is it changed the way I approached the disciplines. I didn't study the Bible. There's no studying the Bible. I clung to the Bible. I meditated upon it. I, I recounted it to my soul again and again. My prayer life, it became more simple, um, more childlike, more desperate, sometimes just sitting in the silence before God. I found a new appreciation for corporate worship, for what, what we're doing here, the voices of God's people. Um, Sunday morning with, 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 with the community of, of God's people, bathing in the means of grace really became, during that season, my livelihood. I can remember feeling... Um, and I know people come from different traditions. I'm just speaking to our church. I can just remember feeling so safe in the liturgy of God's people, in the voices, in the rhythms. Something as simple as saying the Apostles' Creed was so significant for my soul. And there were even times I couldn't say it, and I would just sit there and, let, and listen to God's people say it to me, as if I don't have the strength to believe this right now, but I will let the body of Christ believe it for me. I will trust what they're saying to me right now more than my anxiety. I started to practice the Sabbath, novel concept there, one of the Ten Commandments. We should probably think about that. Started learning what it meant to rest in the Lord. 
And so if you ask me, what, what led me out of this despair so that I can now be here speaking at a conference about it? Was it a doctor? Was it a therapist? Was it friends, a community? Was it the Bible? Was it prayer? Was it worship? And I just would say yes. Yes to all of it. And this holistic and robust approach to depression is what we are going to be offering you this week. Let's transition to what is now before us the rest of the week. I think we can say the silence has been broken. Um, I've gone first. (laughs) The awkwardness and shame and stigmatism was hopefully cleared out of the way. Now we can have the conversation. The pastor can be there. Anybody here can be there. Your children can be there. Your spouse can be there. Your friends can be there. And friends, this is a conversation we desperately need to have. I would say this. You need it. The church needs it, and our culture needs it. When I say you need it, there are two types of people here, okay? Those who know exactly what I've been talking about, and those who know people who know exactly what I'm talking about. Those who can relate to what I just said, and those people who who have friends or loved ones who can relate to what I just said. Either way, you need this. You need this conference, You either need to be equipped to steward well your own struggle with depression or you need to be equipped to love well someone who is struggling with depression. When you hear me, when you hear about Charles Spurgeon and when you hear me up here sharing my story, you might be tempted to say, well, if I I had your job, I'd be freaking out too. Like, if if I were expected to deal with the pressures, if I... If I had to preach to a thousand people every week, yeah, I'd be having a panic attack. But what I discovered once I started being honest with my struggle is this is not for like an attack on just high-level leadership, high-strung spiritual people or anything like that. As soon as I started getting honest with my struggle and telling it to people, I started to realize there are a lot of crazy people like me. It's like one big club of crazies. And you just have to have a nervous breakdown to get in. What I describe to you is happening all around you all the time. Period. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, I've seen grown men who are, you would look at as strong leaders in the fetal position. People you think have it all together perfect family, perfect Instagram account. I've seen them not be able to get out of bed. I've seen stay-at-home moms who literally just sit and cry all day. Middle schoolers, high school students, college students, seniors who hit retirement and don't know what to do with their life. It is epidemic. So I can say with 100% certainty, either you are going through this or someone you care about is going through this, and either way, you need this conference. But it's not just that you need this conference, the church needs this. It used to be that the church of Jesus Christ was the safe shelter for all forms of pain and suffering, and that included mental health. But the church in our day has some apologizing to do to those struggling with this. At best, depression is treated with glib and simplistic solutions. 
you need to believe, like Mark said, believe in the sovereignty of God or um, say this prayer, memorize this passage. Just simplistic answers. At worst, depression is ignored or shamed in our churches. Lament in evangelicalism has been replaced with levity. Complexity has been replaced by superficiality. Contemplation has been replaced with just mere pragmatics. Profound spiritual help has been replaced by cheesy self-help. The notion of walking the cruciform path, bearing your cross, following in the footsteps of our suffering Savior has been replaced by health, wealth, and prosperity. So forget about offering any significant help. The church culture in our day barely has any room for the afflicted and the despairing. So the church needs a conference like this to change the narrative. But it's not just that you need, it's not just the church needs this. I believe the world around us, specifically the world around us, the American culture, needs this. As I said before, we are at epidemic levels now. Um, Last year, 16 million people in our culture reported having a major depressive episode, which that's what I described in my life. Major, just my soul is cast down, I can't can't function episode. 16 million. And uh, what's really scary about that is um, that Statistics and experience shows that only half the people who have these things will admit it and get help. So it's probably more like 32 million. Um, there, there are 4 million people in Kentucky. That's, that's eight Kentuckys. Eight Kentuckys last year experienced what I described to you. One in every 10 of our children is now developing a clinical depression disorder by the age of 18. One out of ten, and these statistics are the same outside and inside the church. One out of ten before they're 18 is a clinical depressed disorder. A recent, uh, somebody sent me this and I just could not believe it. A recent Kentucky survey said, this is Kentucky, 15% of high school students in Kentucky have seriously considered suicide in the past year. 15%. Our high schools, so our high schools, Trinity's hundreds, 15 children. At Trinity. 30% of college students report depression significantly disrupts their ability to function in school. And it's just not just younger people. 10% of people over 65 admit to severe depression. And that's coming from the generation that never admits that anything is wrong with them. So who knows how many people are struggling in that generation. And it's only getting worse. As we witness the death of community... The rise of empty, hopeless secularism, the rapid 24-hour pace of technology, um, pornography rates, divorce rates, abuse rates, the inevitable fruit of all of these cultural developments is going to be a culture drowning in depression. And I would just like to say, church, what are you going to do about it? How will you respond to the humanitarian crisis of the modern developed culture? The world doesn't know what to do with this. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle the flood. Their only help is Prozac combined with a little cognitive behavioral therapy. Again, I'm not against such things, but they are woefully insufficient in and of themselves. The depressed need so much more. They need what I found. A gospel 
of God's radical free grace and love that will go down to the depths of misery with them. They need counseling rooted in biblical wisdom that sees them not just as a body to be fixed, but as body and soul, as a, as a victim and a villain, as someone who's healing from past wounds, lies on the other side of forgiveness, and whose freedom lies on the other side of repentance. They need counseling like that. They need community of God's people, another core value at our church. We are a covenantal community, meaning you're here, you're one of us, and we are committed unto death. A covenantal community that embraces who they are, where they are, and what they will become. They need community like that. They need the scriptures, they need prayer, they need Sabbath, they need corporate worship, they need the Apostles' Creed, they need the sacraments, and ultimately they need Jesus. All these souls cast down like the helpless sheep need the good shepherd. A shepherd so in love with his weak, helpless, and desperate flock that he would do anything to lift them up, even lay himself down. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, even the cast down ones. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I, he's talking about you. I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must have them also. I must bring them in. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Now to be, a to be in his flock does not automatically remove your depression here and now. We're going to be very honest with that this week. But it does give you the sure and certain hope that your depression will, in the end, be lifted. Will be no more. Your downcast soul will be lifted up forever. I'm going to close with that hope. The end of the story. Revelation 7.17 this is fascinating. The lamb will be their shepherd. He is both the suffering lamb who was slain for helpless lamb like us, and he is the good shepherd. The lamb will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let me pray. Father, greet us this week. Those in it and those who need to love others in it. I pray that this would not just stay in, in a lecture format, but would, that you, Spirit, would press it down into our hearts and give us a new vision of how to come at this struggle. A new conversation, a conversation where we're not afraid to break the silence, where we're not afraid to struggle. And help us, Lord, see rightly how to steward well the struggle, how to love well those struggling. And Lord, I dare pray you would bring freedom to the captives. Release us from our fears and our depression, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.